Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, Russ and my hammers 11. Hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell icon to be made aware of any time we put new content on. Obviously, throughout the whole of September, we're doing our uh, Iron Supporting Food Banks charity quiz nights every Thursday. So make sure you subscribe and uh, set reminders when they come on because they're all good fun. And we hope to raise £20,000 by the end of September. Um, today's guest, um, very vocal on Twitter, is old Dan. <laughs> it's Dan Silver. How are you, Dan? I'm very good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. I'm very, very well. Um, thank I, you, Matthew. Yeah, an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on. We've, you know, for, you know, in terms of revealing the fourth wall, me and Dan have had <laughs> it's taken a while for me and Dan to sort of touch base, but we've but we've got there eventually. Good things come to those that wait. Well, we'll see about that. I'll get your opinion at the end of this. He'd <laughs> be like, "Oh God, what am no, I joking?" Um, how's things? With you, uh, particularly in sort of the the new world we live in at the moment, um, I'm healthy and I've still got a job, so you know that's the that's the two things that I'm I'm I kind of got to be thankful for at the moment. Uh, one of my children has gone back to school as of yesterday, so life has started easing up a bit. The other one goes back next week, and then you know me and the wife will be on easy street again. So oh God, um, yeah. things are looking up. <laughs> I know my my daughter's going back on Monday. She's eight, and so yeah, it's going to be a bit weird. I'm dreading Monday morning, actually, to be honest. Okay, well, Just I mean, we, we were a little bit worried about yesterday, but it went absolutely fine. Um, yeah. And then, you know, just want to get the other one out next week, and then hopefully try and get back to a little bit of normality. Yeah, as much as what you can at the moment. Yeah, I mean, there, I think, yeah, it is. I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, I'm all for it, you know, because I think it's brilliant that the kids go back because it gives a sense of normality. And as long as people are sensible, you know, obviously we've got these. I know our school's got like different drop-off times, so she's she's on the, you know, uh, but it's, it's obviously the the adults don't mingle too much. The kids are right. It's the, it's the adults are the trouble, isn't it? Oh, no, they're dying to get back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They can't wait. You know, they've had enough of. Bless, no bless worries you know. at all. No, I don't know exactly. There's no, there's no, you know, they haven't got any sort of worries or anything at all. And you know, at the end of the day, they're on their. Uh, I think it'd be nice just to see friends again because obviously it's all on the yeah. iPad, isn't it? And house party and Robux and all that type of thing. So, um, yeah. Fortnite's no, our, uh, our kind of social I, social playground here. Yeah, Fortnite all afternoon. Yeah, no, it's, it's Ro yeah. Roblox or Robux. I don't know what it is. I just she's, she's just come up to me every so often. Can I can I have some more Robux? Yeah, of course you can. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I actually made sure I put the restriction on my on my account because originally I didn't. I just called it in time before she went a bit crazy. But um, yeah, it is what it is. But uh, bless them. <laughs> and obviously, you know, we're still in the Premier League. Doesn't matter what's happening in the world, we're still in the Premier League, Dan. That's yeah. what matters. Maybe for a season, but yeah, we're uh, we're still there. <laughs> What, what this what this season will be what this season will be Dan as you know you're a long long you know serving and uh, a long suffering West Ham fan we all we've been doing it for years so we'll see what happens isn't it sometimes it's, it's these it's these types of seasons that they they just they just turn it on you know it's it's, it's weird it's weird so you know everything's sort of against us everyone at the moment it seems. And some, you know, and that's when West Ham seems to sort of the players seem to pull a couple of performances out of the bag, and we'll need to the first few games. That's absolutely. For sure. Although, I mean, I am an absolute uh, pessimist and a cynic, and I do, I just can't escape this notion that, that our luck is finally running out. Mm. You know, the last few years in particular, we've been riding our luck a fair bit at the London Stadium, and I don't know, this one just feels like a bad one. No, I mean, I, I say this every single yeah, exactly. season. So, and, you know, I've been proved right a couple of times, but more often not proved wrong. But I've got a bad feeling about this one. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm the opposite. I'm always an eternal optimist. And so it's like every close season, I'm always right. This season's our season. And I still think we'll do all right. The only thing that worries me a little bit, in all honesty, is, is returning back to normality. Um, in this sort of behind-closed-doors world, they performed really well and it might be a pressure thing. I don't know, but getting the fans back in may be the worst thing that happens to us this season. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We, we were well, we were like league B, yeah. we were like the demolition team of the Premier League. We've got how many managers sat last year and, and things like that and how many teams we relegated. But um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's true. It's true. Maybe we'll have to pass a very stringent questionnaire to be able to get into that ballot. Uh, will, will you support the team? Will you uh, mouth off about the owners? Yes, no, right, you're not coming in. Yeah, well, it's, it's, what, uh, yeah, it's funny, I've been interviewing people you know, of all different ages and it's always really interesting to interview the, the more experienced fans, I call them, uh, you know, the old farts. And um, Nice euphemism. Nice euphemism. But they've... And, and they, and you know, that was you know, obviously people talk about you know what's in the the current squad and things like that and ownership. And he goes, do you know what? It's, it's ever since I mean I've been supporting that since the sixties. We're three of the World Cup winners in our team, and we still finished sixth. You know, no better than that. We had three of the best players in the world, and we still yeah we had a couple of cut runs, but we didn't do nothing in the league. And do you know what? when you put it in that in that sort of light, you go, oh yeah, fair enough. Fair enough, and, and it's always been. I've always known us to be that sort of. Yeah, you, know, you get you get your peaks and troughs, don't you? You get the uh, mm -hmm. the red nap era, you know, finishing fifth, Interstate Cup, glory. Yeah. I prefer a few more peaks than troughs. But I think everyone will. Everyone will. But I was talking to someone the other day, and they they made a really good point. They were like, "It must be, it, you know." I think what makes West Ham fans West Ham fans is that sort of more trough than peak mentality. You know, we know the trough's coming uh, and we enjoy the peaks even more. If we were winning, I mean, if, yeah, it's, it's it's lovely to say, but if we did win the league one year, you know, and beat all these teams, we wouldn't know what to do with ourselves, I don't think, because we'll be expecting next season to be relegated. You know, there's, there's no, yeah. oh, well, we'll concentrate on the Champions League. 
<laughs> we would absolutely follow up a, a league win with a relegation. That that would be our that would be the most West Ham thing to do. Yeah. But just, just one more trophy in my lifetime would be would be nice. Well, just one for me. I mean, in, into total, I'll give them that. Um, but yeah, one trophy would be nice. I mean, nineteen eighty, obviously. You know, I was I was just a, a glint in my dad's eye yeah. at the time. So uh, not too far of a glint, but yeah, yeah in the loins ready to go apparently um but uh yeah no uh, yeah something would be nice i just think you know it's 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 we don't ask for a lot do we i'd take the carabao cup this year it's the only thing we haven't won well i when i used to think and i I think i wrote this um once as well so it's probably on the internet if you want to find it that, that just you know a couple of good results against tottenham and a cup run was all we really wanted out of the season until Avram Grant proved me absolutely wrong by <laughs> getting a couple of good results against Tottenham, a cup run to the semi-final, and then getting relegated. It's like, yeah, actually, maybe that maybe there's a little bit more to it than that. But there's not too much more to it than that. You know, no. we that that's all you kind of want from the season. A, a, little, a couple of good results, a bit of a cup run, and you know, we're never gonna win the league. But it would it would be nice to get some more silverware. Yeah. But West Ham are one of those teams that surprises you, and it's like you could easily. Um, I'll be just as surprised if we won the league as if we got relegated. It, you just don't know, and that's that's why that's. I was trying to sort of pinpoint why I, why I sort of you know support West Ham, you know, and I think it's because you don't know what team's turning up. You don't know, you know. It is quite exciting. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it'd be lovely to turn over teams four 0 do Liverpool or Man City, and and every game winning, and but. You turn up every game. You don't know what team's going to turn up, how we're going to play, and you know if you thought twenty years ago you were turning up to see us play Bradford City, you know on a Saturday, and then that, that sort of game that happened, it's just, yeah. that is just West Ham. It is just so West Ham, and yeah. that's what I love about them. I just think they're so unpredictable, um, and and that's that's why that's why people. Yeah. Yeah, keep keep going. I think that's that hardens you as a fan and as a community. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's true. And I, I'm kind of having these conversations now with my children. So my oldest is 13, and um, he is a, a West Ham obsessive. But it was kind of touch and go early on. Um, yeah. I'm I'm from East London, but we my wife's from South East London, so I. When she was pregnant, we kind of got we got dragged down against my will south of the river. I've lived down here now for 14 years and still in denial, if I'm if I'm absolutely honest. So we're in a kind of big palace area, but obviously the, the kids' school friends all support Palace, and there's a lot of and a lot of Man United still, a lot of Chelsea, a lot of Arsenal, and supporting West Ham in that kind of environment is a real test of character and. You know, for the first first couple of years of his kind of football consciousness, my artist was like, you know, please, can I support somebody else, please? And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. You know, your middle name is Moore, so I've kind of baked it into uh, I've baked it into your life now, and you're just going to have to put up with it. And now he wouldn't have it any any other way. And you know, yeah. West Ham get beat. He goes to football training and and gets ripped out of him by the rest of his teammates. And, you know, it's just water for ducks back now. But it's it's that old cliche, it is character building. And I think it it does kind of set you up for, you know, the realities of life. Because life isn't going to be a bed of roses. Life isn't going to be Champions League every year. Life isn't going to be success. And supporting West Ham really drums that into you. And it allows you just to take pleasure out of the small little victories that you get in life. So, you know, it's like we're actually, it's actually done us all good. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a positive I'm, one taken out of it. Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned about about sort of your 
you know, your your journey to become a West Ham fan. Was it always, obviously, you, you come from East London, was it always going to be West Ham? Was your family West Ham? No, not at all. So I, don't, I don't really come from a football family at all. Um, and, in fact, my the reason I'm a West Ham fan, I'm actually, like, the world's worst glory hunter. So I was... I was watching the 1980 FA Cup final on TV. I was, uh, let me see, six years old. And my I've got two older sisters. And my one of them kind of walked in and looked at the, the TV. And she's like, oh, who are you supporting? And West Ham were 1-0 up. And I was like, oh, West Ham, because they were winning. And she's like, well, good, they're our local team. And I'm like, oh, good, OK, great. So I support West Ham. And West Ham won that game. And I was like, great, we've won the FA Cup. You know, life's going to be absolutely brilliant. And... 40 years later, <laughs> it wasn't absolutely brilliant. And I, I do often wonder how my life would have turned out if Arsenal had been winning at the point that, that my sister walked in and said, who are you supporting? But it wasn't to be. Um, West Ham became my team and that's kind of been the rest of my life. So, no, it, it is pure, really pure chance in geography. But, I mean, my dad wasn't really into football at all. And when I started supporting West Ham, he kind of um, tried to get into football, bless him. Um, he had a, a lot of business dealings in Luton at the time, so he uh, so he decided to pick Luton as his team, which um, at the time you know, we were kind of both in the in the top division. So he kind of fell out of love with that pretty quickly as well. So it was like just me kind of ploughing my own field, unfortunately. But he um, he used to own a sports shop in Leytonstone, actually, called Monarch Sports on Leytonstone High Road. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so he worked sort of every Saturday. So he um, so he couldn't really take me to games. Like, you know, younger viewers might be surprised to learn that games always used to be on a Saturday in those yeah. days. So, um, so the first game I actually went to, um, a friend of his took me, um, a guy called Phil Pincus, he used to sell moon boots. Do you remember moon boots? This is going to be quite a nostalgia-heavy section, I'm afraid. Um, and he was a West Brom fan. So, um, my, so my first game was uh, it was a defeat, 1-0 defeat to West Brom in the January 1983. Um, I can't really remember too much about it. It, it's, it was cold it was pretty miserable i've got one image that's kind of just stuck in my mind of jeff pike kind of kicking a ball his leg kind of perpendicular to the ground and that's all i can remember of that game but my second game um my dad took me for my 10th birthday he took me and my, me and my friend from from school richard um and it was uh the day of my 10th birthday so october 25th 1983 and it was uh, a league cup um game midweek against berry and we won 10 nil on my 10th birthday. So uh, I think that was the point at which, you know, you, you could not have rested West Ham out of me from then. It was written in the stars. And, you know, that was pretty much about as good as it got as well. So you know, it was all downhill after that. Well, you sort of, it's, it's sort of, you know, you, those, those first two games gave you a, a sort of a, a microcosm of, of West Ham in general. You know, it's, you yeah. know, we've lost. And then they'll keep you going. It's like, you know, they'll keep you hanging yeah. on. They'll keep you hanging on. And then, oh, and then they keep you hanging on. And it's just like, yeah. Uh, but it, it is it's sort of, it's just indicative of, I mean, I think my, my I think my first game, I think, you know, the, the opposition scored after about 30 seconds. So you could imagine sort of like me, even with my scarf and my bubble out, all excited and 30 seconds in. It's like, oh, great, okay. Yeah. But <laughs> there we go. And I remember because my granddad turned to me and went, that's it. Get used to it. 
you've got a lifetime of this. Yeah. And I never really believed him and, and until until now, obviously. But uh, yeah, but I mean it's it and and obviously you've passed you've passed the um curse down to your children, is that the right way to say it? You know, it's you know, and as you said, there was a little bit of a little bit of dodgy ground until it's been reaffirmed. I mean, but that's what it's all about, isn't it? I think that, that's the thing I've missed since sort of restart and obviously definitely for the first few games next season at the very least is sort of just everyone together do you know what i mean and it is about going with you with your sons and and the family and seeing the same blokes and having a beer and that's what people miss and you can tell they're missing it because everyone's trying to recreate it on twitter and facebook it's just not the same is it it's just not the same it's not the same no but but I mean, really, the, the uncomfortable truth is it might never be the same again. Yeah, or true. Yeah, certainly yeah. not for a good few years. So, mm. you know, we might we might be the last sort of generation that kind of had that experience. Like, yeah, you know, possibly. Who knows how this will play out? Yeah, you so, just don't know. You know, yeah. We can only hope we'll get back to something like that. But it's going to be, I think, at least a couple of years. And, and even then, the culture might have been changed forever. Yeah, no, you're true. It is, okay, I'm a pessimist. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. And also, just yeah, I mean, the way viewing football's changed now, isn't it? I mean, it's like in the space of, you know, a few months, you know, you wouldn't think of seeing every game, I mean, in the UK and the US and other, other places, they have every game televised, but literally every game's televised. Um, and you, you know, it's just, will people want to go back and, you know, and watch it, and they get a better view at TV. You know, there's no risk of any infection, and you know, you just don't know how people are going to react and stuff. It's like you know, I went back into London for the first time uh, to the office on Tuesday, and it was just the most bizarre thing in the world. And then, you know, chatting today about it, and like to you know people there, and they go, "Well, trouble is, we sort of lost like two hours each way, you know, on the on the commute, and then we all spent half an hour chatting to each other, and it's like at the end of the day, we." That's, two and a half hours we missed of our work day and it's like you know we're fair enough you know nowadays it's just everything's going to be remote now and i don't think there's going to be any sort of need for it which is it's a horrible thinking about it. are you a crowd noise on or off person do you still well, like think I, there's a crowd I, there I, or would, not? I would rather off really? but my kids want it on so <laughs> the kids win out unfortunately um i mean i i, I think it's a fascinating window into into you know the communication that goes on at that level which you know i mean our, our seats at the london stadium might as well be in space so you know we're lucky about seeing the players let alone here yeah. so getting an insight into into how they interact on the pitch i think it's has been a real eye opener but my kids just want to pretend that it's real football so we have the sound on well it's the, it's the fifa generation isn't it it's you know it's like yeah but it's and also yeah. it's like you know it saves any sort of um awkward conversations if you put it on you know and yeah. it's like you've got you've got david moyes shouting at, ah, no, yeah, why you know that type of stuff at least you sort of a little bit shield that away from the yeah time. that's the bit i think though, certainly the youngest one enjoys the most about going to football <laughs> sitting just hearing people swear for a few hours you know it's like he, he's not so into the football in fact he um my youngest one's just turned 12 Halfway through last season, actually, it was it was the Tottenham game when we were three 0 down. He just had his head in his hands. Was like, I never want to come back here, and he hasn't come. He hasn't been back since. To be fair, fair play, fair <laughs> play. Well, you've been doing it for about you know the best part of forty years, and you still yeah. come back. It only took him half a season this season. I, know, he's, I think he's the clever one, right? He's worked it out. <laughs> but 
but he uh i think he used to get more out of the theater of it all and just like yeah. you know he, he, he doesn't care for the actual football that much but just love you know the journey walking up to the ground with you know fifty thousand other people and just the, the the hum and the buzz you know i mean we we, we talk about a lot about how the atmosphere has kind of gone out of modern football compared to what it was yeah but you know when you're if this is your first experience it's exactly. still that kind of life-changing electricity you know you've never been in crowds that big you've never been in in anywhere with that kind of edge to it and as sanitized as modern football is it's still like a kind of massive culture change for for kids who are kind of going for the first time and, and you can see when they get that bug and like so my my youngest kind of stuck it out for three seasons even though he didn't really like the football but my eldest, you know, is now down for life. I think he's, uh, it's just yeah. seen, it's just sort of it's like osmosis, isn't it? it? Just takes over you. You blink and you've been a season ticket holder for twenty five years. And yeah. like, Where's that con- like quantum leap type thing? Yeah. That's the thing. I, t- I totally agree with you. I think it is a, it is it's, it's it's having a different perception, isn't it? And I think it's it's like you know, particularly what's happened you know, in the last three or four months, um, well, last six months really. Um, you know the perception of children compared to the perception of adults you know kids are like great yeah we've got no school for six months and yeah okay i'm gonna to talk to my friends on oh just on a house party rather than seeing face to face where we're like oh my god you it's know, the end of <laughs> and it's like and they just like yeah no probs carry on because that's the that's the world they've grown up with yeah. and it's the same true with football and i think that's that's obviously that's where i think there's a lot of difference of opinion sometimes from younger fans to to more experienced fans is they have that sort of nostalgic area of where you know they'd walk down the road and bobby moore would be in the pub and you know and yeah. it's not like that and it isn't like that anymore the, you know the world has changed unfortunately and football has changed unfortunately um yeah. even in my you know in my lifetime but even in sort of you know when i started supporting sort of the early 90s when i was going properly you know as i've said many times you know i used to I used to work at a supermarket in Loughton and in Essex and they'd all lived there. So you would more often than not be serving Shaka Hislop or Samasi Abu buying their apples or whatever. But nowadays you don't get that. You know, they're all in Canary Wharf apartments and stuff. And that's that's just, as you said, it's, it's indicative of modern football in general. Um, it is. And, and you know, you, I think there will always be older generations that, that just can't, adapt or, or don't want to adapt and want to have things the way they were i mean look at the ferrari over the popcorn at london stadium right i mean you know grown men would get thrown out of that ground fighting because that someone was eating popcorn right if it, if it gets a kid into the ground if, if it makes a kid's day that that little bit more enjoyable then why does it really matter you know yeah. it's like Absolutely. Generations change, expectations change, the way that we we you know experience stuff changes, and you know you just got to roll with it. When I, I worked on the uh, on the new musical Express on the Enemy for five years, and yeah. and that's like that's the this and a, a microcosm. Everybody, everybody thinks that the Enemy that they grew up that they read when they were growing up is the best the enemy's ever been and anything that came after was shit. So whether you read it in the 80s, the 90s, the late 90s, the early 2000s, whatever comes afterwards, the next generation is not for you. And that's fine. Like, it doesn't have to be for you. It's for the next generation. But if you if if you devote all of your energy just to, to being negative and, and slagging the next generation off, like, what a waste of your life. You know? yeah, it's like, true. 
just accept so you have what you had and the next generation are going to have what they have and you know the sooner yeah, you accept so that the happier you will be so you know popcorn it's so and true it's so true you know, it's so it's so true it's so true and i think it's and that's why i quite like interviewing lots of different people so i don't just pick you know like you know 30 to 50 year old men or you know just because otherwise it's going to be boring they'll okay. talk about the same thing it's not going to appeal to people and i like talking to people because obviously the younger fans you know not even younger fans maybe people who are who've only just started supporting west ham in the last three or four years american fans you know they've got a different perspective and they haven't had that all punched out of them for the last 40 yeah. years so they're really enthusiastic and that's what i love about interviewing different people and that's why we do this hammers 11 because like the idea being is you have to the only rule is you have to be alive to have seen them play otherwise everyone would have put bobby moore in their team everyone would have put billy bonds i mean i never saw billy play i never saw bobby play never saw trevor brooking play so my reference point isn't there my reference point is javier margas um yeah. you know uh, lauren courtois and uh david <laughs> mckayley you know you know so that's that's my reference point and that's why i think because it's not and but then at the same time it's nice to listen to people from who who were around when bobby was playing and just because it's a different you know you get all these memories and you get all, you know what people talk about but listening firsthand all these different sort of stories that's that's what i love um and i've learned a lot i've learned loads about the west ham history which i was naive to completely like John Childs and people, all these stories I never knew about. So that's why we keep going, basically. Um, right, really? so for, for your 11, Dan, as I said, the only rule is have to be alive to a single play. That's the only rule. You can do whatever you want. You can put a theme. You can do whatever, whatever. But as long as you've been alive to see them play. Alive, not necessarily seen live. I always say that well, because obviously to not differentiate people who haven't been to the ground yet. So so I did... I did. I did impose a rule on myself. Nice. So, and and it's it's actually kind of turned into a twenty first century eleven. So, I mean, it, it, there's there's a little bit of kind of face saving here because my memory is ridiculously bad. <laughs> I have an awful memory. I, I spent many many years as a music journalist listening to incredibly loud music and travelling the world. With <laughs> Roll bands, and unfortunately, it takes a little bit out of you. Well, so, my, uh, my, my memory for the old days is not what it was. So, I thought, right, I'll kind of concentrate on the period when I was kind of going, started going really intensely. So, I kind of got my first season ticket in 1997. Um, then just kind of come back from university, and me and a few pals who, who were kind of West End fans, we all kind of clubbed in, and we, and we decided we'd, we'd go properly. Um, some of them had season tickets for no kids, I didn't. So it was kind of my my first kind of proper, like in, intensely watching period. So that's where kind of all my strongest kind of memories are. And then um, I've tried to pick, so it's quite an esoteric selection as well. So, you know, these obviously are not the best players. Some of them aren't even my favourite players, but they're players that either they're attached to a game I was at or a kind of point in my life that, that kind of really resonates. So, um, yeah, okay. I did want to try and, and peg them all to goals that I saw as well, but I had a bit of trouble with the goalkeeper. So I kind of <laughs> broke that. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't the game where Adrian smashed his penalty in in the, uh, in the FA Cup. So yeah. I could have had Adrian, but I decided not to, not to go with it. So, so yeah, it's a bit of an es esoteric selection. Nice, so, I like it. It's a good word to use. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, in goal, I've gone for Rob Green. Yep, Greeno. 
There we go. Uh, as we used to nickname him on Mirror Football, the Lion of Rustenburg for his uh, his heroic in the 2010 World Cup. Um, and the reason the reason I picked him is, I mean, he was a you know he was a he was a great goalkeeper for us. Yeah. Um, and I think the some of the, the the kind of lesser performances towards the end of his spell and that that kind of disastrous England. Uh, tenure has kind of tarnished his reputation a bit, but in his prime, he was he was a fantastic goalkeeper. And the game that really sticks in my mind was um, Arsenal away two thousand and seven. So the the first first time an away team won at the Emirates. Um, it was also my first time in a press box um, at football ground. So uh, I and I, I I did have a career in sports journalism. Um, for a little bit, but at the time I was working at the enemy, but I managed to blag my way in uh, to the press box. I think I'd agreed to, um, I've got a few of the players into the enemy awards and, and we'll kind of come on to that in a little bit, I'm sure. But um, so uh, as a return, um, I agreed to to go to the game and write something for the programme. So um, Miranda Naglingham, who was the press officer at the time. Yes, I remember uh, and so she got me into the press box. Um, so brand new stadium, and the Arsenal press box famously has a or had at the time. I think it still does a fridge full of Hagen Dars. So you know all the all the sports journalists, all the football reporters are like brilliant. You know free ice cream. This is great, amazing thing it is. So I kind of settled in, thinking right, you know we're going to get a bit of a pasting here. Obviously, it was uh, the end the end of that season. You know we we were in pretty desperate. Straits and uh, and I to this day I still don't know how we won that game. Nah, nah. I think Arsenal had what over thirty attempts on goal so in that really. game, I think. And um, obviously, you know, there's a there was a bit of luck as well. But Rob Green's performance that day was immense, and I think it's it's it probably almost certainly is the best sort of individual goalkeeping performance I think I've seen. It was incredible. And I just remember sitting there in kind of stunned silence at the end of the game. And, you know, the 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 Arsenal fans are all kind of trudging out, moaning, and, you know, there's kind of ecstasy in the away end. And I was just sat there looking, and I was still expecting Arsenal to equalise a good five minutes after the final whistle were gone. It's just like I was, I was so resigned to that ball going in the net, but it, it just wasn't. And, and, you know, Rob Green was was an absolute giant that day. So, uh, so there you go. And, and you know, um, I think I think there's a, a lot to like about Rob. I know he's a bit of a, a difficult character, and, and, a, and he rubbed a few people up the wrong way. But anyone who gets, you know, England's number six. Yeah. Stitched into their gloves as a kind of two fingers up to the England manager at the time, you know. But you gotta love that, right? I gotta love it, yeah. And it, I mean, I love, I love. I mean, yeah. We've obviously had a few players on who've spoken about Creed Owens, an unusual character, but he didn't take himself too seriously, you know. And you see now of his really had that lockdown haircut and stuff, you know. He's, 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 but I like people like that, you know. It's we take ourselves too seriously as a nation we always have done uh, particularly with the stars and stuff but you know they're in a privileged position and uh greeno is and he knew what he was and he knew, knows what he wasn't same as i like peter crouch i think it's the same you know what yeah. i mean he just takes the mickey out of himself i think it's brilliant but yeah greeno's in go on you go through the team down as you want to man as you've got it written down or whatever okay um so we'll, well uh let's go with the fullbacks so as with modern day, I've kind of struggled a little bit for <laughs> fullbacks. 
we've got quite a few attacking options in this team, but there's not a lot at the back. You know, I, I feel for David Moyes. I'm, I'm absolutely uh, know how he's feeling. But um, so for left back, bearing in mind 21st century, so I can't add Dixie. So uh, I've gone for Paul Koncheski. Yeah. Because obviously the last West Ham player to score in an FA Cup final. Yes. And quite possibly will be the last West Ham player ever to score in an FA Cup final. So um, so for that, I think he, he deserves to be in this team. Um, although whether he meant it or not, obviously, is, is very much open to question. Mm. But, uh, I mean, that day was just, it was, you know, what a day Crazy, that was. It? it was absolutely incredible. And, and, you know, we talk about the highs and lows of being a West Ham fan. I mean, that day kind of just had it all, right? I mean, I remember we set off from London at, I don't know, must have been about seven in the morning. There was a van of us, went down, got to Cardiff, was having a, a whale of a time. It was like, you know, it's our third trip to Cardiff in you, three you years. You knew the pubs were, didn't you? You knew where the good yeah. pubs were, yeah. And, and it was it was a, just such a good day out. The way that they kind of organised the, the city, so you had after team on one side and, and after team, half the team's fan, the other team's fan, sorry, on the other side. It, it was just a great day out, and and we went expecting to get tonked. You know, we we, we didn't really care about the game. We just wanted to have a, a a great day out, and and that plan was going perfectly right up until the point we went two 0 up, <laughs> and then suddenly, yeah. what was just meant to be a nice day out became, a, oh my god, we're going to win this, and <laughs> and it became a stressful football match. And you know, as as the old saying goes, it's the hope that will kill you every time. And and while we had no hope, it was fantastic. The second that we got hope in that game, it just all <laughs> it was just horrendous. And you know, those those final few minutes of, of normal time in that game will just kind of haunt me forever. Yeah. <laughs> I've still I've not been able to watch it since. No, me neither, actually. I haven't either, and to be fair. And what I loved about the trip to Cardiff and why, and again, you know, we talk about modern football and stuff, and, you know, Cardiff was an exception to the rule in the fact that, you know, it had a really modern, massive stadium slap bang in the middle of the town, wasn't it? You know, and, mm. and I just loved when we, well, everyone, you know, when you got to, on the M25, you know, you got there, you got, got to the bridge and, you know, the toll bridge, you're waiting to get it, and it's, it was just West Ham cars because they all had the ribbons on, and yeah. you know you put your ribbons on, and, you, and then for us we're probably just about got onto the motorway. So about five minutes on, and they break, and they're flying yeah. behind, you know. And, and it's just like we didn't know what we were doing. We've yeah. never been to each other. What do we do? I don't know. Just put like ribbons on. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, and yeah, it was just great fun. And I think I, I had the same car park space for three three years running. So okay. really good. Yeah, you, oh, just turn around, go. You didn't after the first power final. You didn't change because you thought it might be another. No, no, I way. should have. I should have changed, but no, I didn't. Like, I just just kept it as it was, just because I knew where I was going more than anything. So right. I thought, and then, uh, but no, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, I mean, that first play. I mean, I still have nightmares of of. Uh, I close my eyes and I can still see yellow shirts <laughs> bumping up and down. You know, like twenty, thirty thousand yellow yeah. shirts bumped to glad all over. Still haunts me, but yeah, no. Uh, Michael Carrick trudging forlornly off the pitch, dragging his leg. Knowing that was his last game for West Ham. Yeah. Oh, what could have been? What could have been if it wasn't for Neil Shipperley? Anyway, <laughs> Paul Koncheski's in. Who's next? Paul in. So I've, I've, on the other on the other fullback, I've, I've cheated a little bit. Um, so I've gone for I've gone for Christian Daly, who who did play at did, right yeah. back a couple of times. So so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick Christian in there. Um, Christian, uh, I, I actually became a little bit pally with 
in the uh, in the, the kind of mid two thousands um, through the enemy. So I, I don't know if you know, but Christian was massively into his music. Yeah, um, he, he played in a band called South Playground, and uh, he was a friend of mine. He was a friend of a friend of mine in the in the music industry who was also from Dundee. He was a press officer, um, so. He knew I was West Ham, but when Christian joined West Ham, he kind of put me in touch. So um, I got him in to when I was working on Kerrang. So Kerrang, the the, um, you know, the rock bible. Um, I got Christian Daly in as a guest reviewer to review the singles. So he kind of trotted up to our office, and you know the rest of the office are looking at me like, "Who's this guy?" <laughs> like, yeah. And you're like, like, "Who's this guy?" <laughs> I'm like, you know. Full kit wanker, I'm like absolutely ticked out. Like Christian kind of shambled in and uh, and he kind of reviewed the singles. Um, his single of the week was uh, uh, the White Stripes, if I remember rightly. It was uh, Dry Leaves on the Dirty Ground, or you know, the other way, Dirty Leaves on the Dry Ground. He'd just seen them at Glastonbury and he was, he was very, um, very effusive. So, um, so after that, we kind of struck up a bit of a friendship. And, and when I was at the enemy, uh, he came down to a couple of the award shows and there was one year i used to organize the enemy awards and we gave our godlike genius award to ian brown from the uh, from the stone roses and we kind of said to him look who do you want to present the award to you and and he's like well i want i want a member of the 1999 uh, man united treble winning team and you're like oh and i was like okay well hang on well teddy sheringham's Counts. Teddy Sheridan was, you know, a big part of that team and he's at West Ham. So I kind of called up Christian and and so we got Teddy Sheridan down to give to give the award to to uh, Ian Brown and and Christian came down and Jimmy Walker came down and they just had a right old night of it. And, Can you imagine you know, him? Yeah, right. oh, Jesus. Knowing Teddy, Jim quite well. It's like, yeah. oh, Christian. Yeah. Teddy, not so much, I must say. Teddy was kind of <laughs> in and out. Um, we tried to, he was, he was so funny. We tried to obviously get him a car to, to kind of come get him to the, the show. And uh, he refused to give us his home address. He was like, oh, I, I won't give it out. So so he made us, he made the car pick him up that like, outside Black Horse Road tube station. And I'm like, Surely, surely it's riskier for Teddy Sheridan to be hanging around outside a tube station than for us to know his address so we can pick him up in the car. But he, he was pretty much in and out, but, but Christian and Jimmy were there for, for most of the evening. And, and I've got a fantastic photo backstage where it's, uh, we've got the, the enemy photographer took, the, took a, a photo of us in our photo studio. We start backstage with Ian Brown, Jimmy Walker, Teddy Sheridan, Christian Daly and me all, all sort of with with uh, Ian Brown's award aloft, it's like it's like the, the best and worst five star football team you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, you won't win much games, but the pre no. the, the after dinner, the after game drink will yeah. be a bit of a giggle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> much more I'm playing in that team. Although, although Teddy, you know, when you get in an Uber back, Teddy would just be the last person to drop off. Yeah. He'd always pick up the bills. He wouldn't know where he lives. Yeah, Oh, like Christian's in. God bless him. Who's um, this? My centre-backs, uh, so I've gone for Anton Ferdinand and Winston Reid. Oh, nice. So um, Anton, uh, I think, is purely, I mean, he, you know, he, he, uh, he obviously had a, a, a great career with us, but I think the reason he, he makes my team is I think probably the goal that I have, celebrated more than any other, which was away at Tottenham, that 
And, it, and you know, the sad thing is, it wasn't even a winner. It was, a, it was an equaliser. But that that last minute equaliser in two thousand five uh, was insane. We were. I mean, I've, I've only been at Tottenham a couple of times, and, and I've, I've never seen us win there. Um, in fact, I've only seen us draw once, and, and that was this game. And we were. Remember, our seats were. We were right at the edge of the of the away end where you had the gap and then you had the Tottenham fans. So, you know, we were kind of getting it all game. I mean there, there was literally about three seats between me and the and the end of the area, the end of the, the away end. And when that goal went in, you know, was it ninety second minute or something? Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, keeper was up and you know that it was bedlam, absolute bedlam. And you know, it when people who don't go to football or, or people who like football but don't go to games who you know don't really have that that kind of real passion for football and don't really understand yeah you know the people who do it's like if you put someone in that situation where for 91 minutes you've been you know just pent up frustration aggression fear you kind of think you know what's going to happen when we go out that door you know all that is is kind of just building up for 90 minutes and that release that one release is just like it, it. It's it's like a you know that's the reason that we we kind of go football, of and you know people who, who don't understand how can you get so excited about a draw? It's like you know you just you just put them in that situation, and and, and it's like taking LSD. It's like the door's perception will finally open, and and you'll see what it's all about. So true. Oh, so, yeah. And and Winnie Reed, Winnie Reed, yeah. So um, I mean it has has to be for that that last game at Upton Park, you know, scoring the last goal. And, I mean, you know, and for for kind of everything else he's done as well, you know, he's been at the club for 10 years and, and which, you know, you you seem to forget, like, all of the injuries, unfortunately, that that kind of blighted his career. I think it stopped him being a, a top, top player but I think also kept him at the club so I think if he hadn't then he would have got that move to Arsenal when they were sniffing around so <laughs> so you know it's it's not not so good for Winston but good for us and and that's what kept him in that spot where he was so he could score that last goal and, and, and get that win and it was like again it's, it's just one of those moments that just really transcended mm-hmm. sort of football um, I mean I, I don't know about you but I just knew we were going to win that game, even even when we were two one down. I just knew we were going to win that game. That's, that's what I've been saying. You know, sometimes when all the chips are down, when it's like when it needs, and you know, I remember we used to have our. I remember the season we went down, or I think it was season we had we, we sort of labelled some games as save our season. Do you remember like Whitford, yeah. like Wigan was our SOS game, and we'd lose, but then you knew. When just very rarely are they completely let us down, but even like the you know, Man United away at the Great Escape, and you know they just seem to—I don't know what it is—and that's the frustrating thing for a fan, isn't it? Why can't yeah. you, fucking, you know? It's just like literally, you know, like a Chelsea game this year. I knew he was going to beat Chelsea. Just knew it, and there was no logical reason why, apart from it's West Ham. That's literally the only answer I could give. Yeah. And that's what yeah, it's like, but it's like thanks for that, but please do it a little bit more often. Yeah, you know? exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, and it sounds it sounds ridiculous, but it just felt like you know it felt like the ghost of Bobby Moore was kind of guiding that ball into the net. You know, it it just felt like that kind of night. It was it was just a, a spiritual moment that, that transcended football. So for that, you know, Winston will will always have a place in my heart and my team. Yeah, I 
I totally agree. And that's it. Yeah. And, and good luck to him. You know, obviously he's doing the MLS. He's he played the other day, didn't he? He started. Yeah. So good luck to him because I think, you know. Yeah. Very much so. that, yeah, he's someone that you know you want to see doing well wherever he goes, as you said. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, the, I mean, you know, in, in a weird sort of sliding doors moment, us getting relegated to the championship made Winston Reed really because he came and he wasn't yeah. really, he was all right. But that sort of championship couple of years really developed yeah. into this player that the Arsenal's and the Liverpool's were sniffing around with. And, uh, and then that goal against Millwall didn't help no, either. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yes, I mean he's he's scored, he's he's done the holy trinity really, hasn't yeah. he? He's done he's done Man United. He's he scored the Man United goal. Uh, Tottenham he scored against, I believe, and yeah. Millwall as well. So you know you're yeah. a legend already. It doesn't matter. He, can, he doesn't have yeah. to kick another ball again after those. But uh, okay, we, yeah, he's the freedom of Newham. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's go into midfield. Go to the midfield. So this is where it starts getting a bit trickier. Lots of there's lots of options. Um, I'll start in the middle. Um, so uh, there's a lot of deliberation over this, but in the end, I've gone for Joe Cole. Yeah. Um, I think if you're talking about this era, you know, he, he kind of bookend the, well, the two, the two kind of movement, the other, the other one in the middle is obviously Mark Noble, but they kind of bookend this, this kind of 21st century period, you know, Joe. Joe at that time just embodied like everything about the club. You know, he was like, I remember seeing him sign his forms on the pitch, you know, last time at the Chelsea game and Jeremy Nicholas going, you know, you'll be telling your grandchildren about this and we're all kind of pissing ourselves and, you know, we probably will end up telling our grandchildren about it. But I was, at, I was at Old Trafford when he made his Premier League debut, um, the 4 1 defeat um, to Man United. And he just kind of like, he, he just grew up with us mm. in the club. And, you know, of, of all the, the kind of talents we had at that time, he just seemed to be like the brightest. He seemed to be the most relatable. The, you know, he seemed to be like the one of us. And and he was like a player you could believe in. And he, he really kind of made you feel for the future of the club. And then obviously it all went horribly wrong. But that, I mean, that relegation season, 2003 when when Glenn Roder made him captain I mean you know what was he 21 at the time and he absolutely led that team you know and I was I was as heartbroken for him when we went there as I was for for anyone connected to the club because you could see what it meant what it meant to him and you know again if if we'd have have stayed up who knows what would have happened to to his career with us but you know those, those those brief years, you know, he, he shone pretty brightly in those days. And then obviously he handed that mantle on spiritually to, to Mark Noble. And I, and I think, you know, if, if you're doing a, a 21st century West Ham team, you know, it, it's impossible to ignore the man. You know. yeah, he's been there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, you know it, it, he is his, this generation's Billy Bonds, you know. It's, totally. It, and... He, you know, he's, he's the player that my kids will think of, you know, when they when they think back to the, the kind of their early days of West Ham. You know, he is he is the legend and, and we will never see his like again. I don't think no. I don't think any football clubs will see his like again, to be honest. No. Um just that that one club man who's so synonymous with the club and so synonymous with the culture of that club. And you know, and long may that continue. You know, I, I kind of have a, a bit of a love-hate relationship with the whole kind of 
West Ham family and, and West Ham way. And, and you know, I, I kind of found myself, you know, quietly nodding in agreement with Sam Allardyce when he was saying, you know, West Ham way, what is that? You never won anything. And it's like, yeah, you know, we, we are a very, very sentimental club. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I paradoxically kind of hold that view. But I also love the fact that, you know, that Mark Noble would be exactly, a, like, yeah. like a, you know, like the name through the stick of rock for for generations to come. And you know, I, I hope they find a place for him at the club when he mm. you know, when he eventually does hang his boots up. Although that that day just never seems to come. You know, I've I've been as guilty as as any of kind of writing him off for about the last three or four seasons. But totally. he just keeps proving us wrong. You know, and and I think he probably will do again this season. Yeah, I think he will. And I think you're right. I think. You know, if you told him whenever it was, you know, 12 years ago or whatever, that he would still be playing for West Ham, but he'll be playing in a number 10 role. <laughs> You'd be like, what the fuck? You know, yeah. but it just suits him and, and he need, and you need that presence on the pitch. You just do, yeah. you know, and, and, and yeah, I've seen him watching as a fan, so to speak, obviously when he wasn't in the squad. You know, sitting since restart, obviously sitting in the stands. I've, you know, I watched him, literally watching the guys, watching him, and he and it's you know, in a week, and it's stupid to say it, but he is a fan, and literally like we would do, he kicks every ball, and he's and he's ah, you know, he feels every miss, and I just think there's something really, and I know we talk about nostalgia, there's something really magical about that because it's like he's one of us, us in that team and you know the day he, he hangs up his boots we know it's not he's not going to be maybe the next season two you never know mark but we will lose something and that's that's it just goes without saying because you will lose that that bit of connection so yeah. um it's nothing yeah. you can do about it it's, it's, it, as you said it's indicative of the modern game it is isn't it you don't get players yeah. hanging about anymore Absolutely. And, and you know we should treasure that while we've got it you know exactly <laughs> And you know, like I said, I've, I've been trying to run him out of the team for for the last four seasons. But yeah. in reality, we should be treasuring the fact that that we've got a player like this, yeah. and you know, we're lucky to have him. And you know, let, let's hope he can, he can keep us up for another year. Yes, come in, Mark. All right, okay. It's it's wingers. We're going wingers. Wingers. Uh, I've got Travis Sinclair. Oh, love the man. Off of the right, tricky Trev. Mm. Um, Again, like that kind of late nineties period, you know, he, he kind of well, him and a, another player who we'll, we'll come to in a moment, kind of in, embody that for me. Um, him, Paolo, and Joe Cole were that kind of little triangle of, of just flaring creativity that just made going to games such a delight. Yeah. Um, and I, I've kind of, I feel like again, I'm, I'm a bit uniquely entwined with Trevor Sinclair. So in my mind, he scored three kind of wonder goal volleys in his career yeah and i'm pretty much willing to bet i'm the only person that's been at the game apart from him for all three of them so there's two for west ham there was the uh the one against charlton where he kind of up on his knees put it in and i'm counting the one against derby where Paolo took the corner, Joe Cole flicked it on and, and trevor did his scissor kick yeah. but i was also at qpr barnsley Oh, when he when he scored his overhead kick, so my uh, my my oldest and closest mate is a Barnsley fan. Uh, he's from Barnsley, and uh, we occasionally kind of go to each other's games. and And he kind of dragged me down to to QPR for that game. 
and we were we're actually if you, if you look really closely at the video we're we're just like dead center behind the goal that trevor sinclair scored that that overhead kick in and it was such an incredible goal that all the Barnsley fans just stood up and applauded apart from my mate who's got up stood on his chair turned around and all and shouted like, what the bloody hell are you doing he's just scored against us and i was like mate you will never score you will never see a better goal than that so yeah. sit down and just enjoy it but yeah so i'm, I'm willing to bet there aren't many people that was at yeah. that game that were also at those other two west ham games and yeah, I, sure. I, I was lucky enough to i bumped into him in the, the last game at upton park actually and uh and told him that and i think he, he kind of corroborated that that he, he doesn't think there's anyone else apart from him that there either so so me and trevor you know we're we're star-crossed yeah so, yeah so no, he's beautiful man beautiful man no we, when, when when this video comes out the, the day before the chat i interviewed trevor so i interviewed sinclair yesterday okay and so yeah and so um uh, wonderful man wonderful man speaks so highly of West Ham so highly and and just I mean that that period I'm the same I'm the same as you sort of that period that red nap era you know sort of you know that obviously you know sort of 99 or yeah for a few years there um was brilliant and so much fun and just so entertaining as a as, as a as a fan you know you just didn't know what was going to happen and and Trevor played a massive part of that, and but also just and, and we we spoke about you know the the team and the squad, and you know he just listed some of the guys. And he's like, well, why wouldn't he? Says I had an absolute ball of a time, and of course you would. You had John Moncur, you had Ruddock, you had Ian Wright, you had you know all these players. Plus you had all these youngsters coming through like Rio and Joe Cole and. And he was, yeah, it was really fun. It's probably the last, I reckon, it's, talking to a lot of the ex-players, it's probably the last era where they would go out and have a good drink. Yeah. So he well, was like, and he's like, to be honest, maybe... Sometimes. <laughs> That's what he said. Maybe too much. I said, I said, you know, is that, what's his, we finished fifth. We might have won the league if we didn't yeah. go out every... So he goes, and he was telling me what he used to do on a Tuesday. He used to go out, go across the road to the toll gate for a few... And then uh, get in a cab and go up London, be, get in about one or two, and uh, they'd, they'd stop training. They'd let, not do training on a Wednesday because um, Harry knew they were all going out of the piss. And uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> thanks, Trev. But he just told us all this information. Great story about um, about the Intertoto Cup. And um, I've mentioned it a couple of times already on the channel because it was so funny. And when they were playing a Croatian team, away yeah 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 it was it's um basically sukair and stimach obviously both croatian players they organized a um they organized um what's it called a like a, a team bonding day um and it was shooting so all the boys went yeah sure you know assuming it was you know clay pigeon shooting you know double so they get driven to this forest <laughs> a clearing and then Sue Kerr and that lot have got this big bag and it's full of AK-47s. This was the morning before the game. <laughs> so they're shooting AK-47s in the middle of this random forest, in the middle of Croatia. Um, and John, old Monksy, likes to get naked, stripped down, completely bullet naked. The morning of the game, started bunny hopping around the uh, around the forest, going, I'm a, shoot me, shoot me, I'm a bunny. 
Sue Care and Stimatch's face went white <laughs> and they shouted out, John, that's a landmine field which hasn't been cleared yet. Because obviously it was still during the troubles, wasn't it? The troubles, they just really sort of proper fish. And then John just stood there and then had to try and retrace his bunny hop steps back to the thing. I was like, but oh, just just great just a great time to be a fan that was i just loved it and trevor epitomized it wasn't it you know and we talk about players and, and the value of players and how how much players go and how much they're worth we bought trevor sinclair for 2.7 million combined it's crazy you know what i mean it's mental you talk about getting a good that was a you know obviously we got rid of dowie and roland as part of that as well that was that was an amazing. That was that was sort of the modern day equivalent of the Alan Devonshire five grand job. Do you know what I mean? It's um, absolutely absolutely yeah. brilliant. All right, tricky Trebsy. Tricky Treb, and then uh, almost at the other end of the spectrum on the other side, uh, Dimitri Payet. So, I I I just cannot hear a bad word said against the man. I know you know I know there are many 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 fans who. Obviously, and and you know, and rightly so, and I can understand why. It just so soured by the way that he left. But that that last season at Upton Park was it wouldn't have happened without him. He was by far and away the most talented, skillful player I've seen play for West Ham, and it was a joy to watch. And that season was my uh, my eldest son's first season as the season to go. Oh, and you know, I think you know, I've talked about how obsessive he now is about West Ham. I think Dimitri Payet is the hundred percent reason for that. And so I will always love him for for putting the love of West Ham in my son's heart because watching him play week in week out, you know, of course you're going to fall in love with that team. And he was absolutely incredible. He was. And he was. Uh, again, you know. I, I, I understand why why you know people don't like him, the snake and all that, and, and the way he left was disappointing. But again, it's like enjoy what you've got while you've got it. And you know, I, I, I'll be surprised if we see a player that good play for West Ham again in our lifetimes. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be surprised. If, you know, and it's I'll be surprised if we could. Get someone who's a Ballon d'Or. He's a Ballon d'Or nominee when he's still yeah. playing at West Ham. He's like, hello. He's like, you know, um, and, and I, you know, and it was he was just. It doesn't happen. I could probably count one more person uh, who you'll probably talk about in a bit when you talk about your forwards. Who, when my non-West Ham mates were talking, say we had West Ham playing Tottenham or Chelsea, my Chelsea friends were like, oh god, we're playing against Payet. Yeah. You know, or playing against Lucanio. Um, you know, but it was always, oh God, Pyatt. And he was like the man. He was like every other team wanted. And that never happens. You know, it might be some yeah. people, well, okay, you know, obviously anything with Declan Rice. And some people think, oh, non West Ham fans, oh, he's so overrated. Da, da, da. Everyone wanted Dimitri Pyatt. Yeah. And he nobody was like, Pyatt was overrated. Exactly. If anything, he was underrated. And, you know, totally. Just, you know, we talk about players who can single-handedly win games. He single-handedly yeah. could win games. I think in Everton away, oh, you know, yeah. he, like, that, that's a performance that you just will never see but a West Ham player do. Just takes that game and says, you know what, we're not losing this game. We are going to get something out of this. That turnaround was just incredible. And, you know, he, he did it He did it more, more often than not. He was yeah. at 
absolutely on it. You know, the, the, obviously we'll talk about Paolo in a little bit, but but Paolo was a very up and down player. Pyatt was just an up player. You know, he, he very, very, very rarely didn't show up. And he just made everyone else better. And, you know, that, that last season, Upton Park, him, Lanzini, Song, you know, just like pinging the ball around like it was on a string. I mean, it was just magical to it watch. Was, it really, really was. And, yeah. and, and, it, and he made that, that, that last season. And I think you're, in the same way, you know, he made your, you know, your son fall in love with West Ham. I think for every West Ham fan, apart from, you know, every West Ham fan could not have enjoyed that season if it wasn't for him. So yeah, and 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 it's true. What happens after? And you get that with those maverick players, you know, yeah. with those enigmas. Arnautovic will throw his toys and, and bugger off to China. Yeah. That probably your next pick we only got because he pushed over a referee. People well, forget well, if, <laughs> if Pyatt had been a, a loyal, you know, absolutely level down to down to earth kind of player, he wouldn't have been playing for us. He'd have been no, playing for bigger team. It'd still be at Marseille because he because he kicked off at Marseille to yeah. come here, isn't he? And and it'd yeah, still be we, there doing you know goods is, is is the best we can hope for in this kind of you know in in the way that football's set up now. So of course it was going to go wrong. But it went so right that that I'm prepared to forgive him for, yeah, for how I it agree. went. I agree. Right. Okie dokie. Up front. So, well, no surprises, uh, Paolo Di Canio. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, so as Pyatt was to my son, I think he was to me. You know, he he absolutely re-energised my love for West Ham in that late night. And it was, you know, we, we talk about players who are worth the entrance fee alone. He was worth the entrance fee. When he turned it on, he was incredible. Um, you know, Obviously, lucky enough to be at the game where he he, he scored the uh, you know the the greatest goal that the bowling ground has seen against Wimbledon, and I was lucky enough to be at Old Trafford when he scored the goal not Man United out the cup. Um, but I was lucky enough to be at like I remember going to Coventry away and we we won three 0 and I'd actually um, I'd bought the, the tickets as a birthday present for for a mate who, and he didn't want to go, but. So I thought, well, sorry, I'm just going to get the tickets anyway and presented them. Hey, I've got your birthday present. And he's like, oh, we've got to go to bloody Coventry. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to Coventry. And we, and we won 3-0. And we had, we had seats pretty close to the touchline. And we basically just had a Paolo masterclass. You know, just getting that close-up look at his, his touch, his ball control. It was just exquisite. And, you know, he he was a, an absolute magician. And... and Again, if his attitude had been right, then he would be talked about as, as one of the greatest players of the last 30, 40 years. But, you know, as we know, his head was a little bit askew. And and that's why we got him, you know. If he if he had been if his head had been screwed on right, he wouldn't have been playing for us and we wouldn't have had those moments. No, no, that's a good point. And yeah, as you said, he was he was just box office, wasn't he? Just bonkers yeah. and we love players who are just on the edge, don't we? Yeah. And you just don't know what day he's gonna, you know. And that, that's what I. Th it's almost like it's almost like you, you spoke at the beginning about football being sat, your modern day football being sanitized, and that's even true with the characters, isn't it? You don't get characters like Paolo, or you know, or, or if we look at West Ham like Johnny Monks, or or even like Trevor. I mean, you know, these guys are just like you know they were characters in the game, and obviously sports so uber professional and so sanitized that. Anyone who does stand out, 
like a Jack Grealish, for example, <laughs> everyone hates. It's like, well, he's just a cocky little sod, isn't he? But it's like fair, you know, it's like I'm being funny. Paolo would like sit on a ball on a touchline and head in his hands and oh, you know, like, woe is me and die, you know, and die. We, we talked we talked about earlier about that five four game against Yeah, Brentford, right? Yeah. It's just you just could not imagine that happening in football. <laughs> no. It's you know, there's just all manner of checks and balances now as to why that situation would not happen. And if it did, you know, we would never hear the end of it. You know, it would be analysed to death. There'd be countless editorials about why it's a death of football and everything else. But you know, it was kind of par for the course <laughs> with Paolo Di right? It just it just was everything. Paolo it was just exactly it was Paolo just if he had like a an hour and a half episode of himself that yeah. was that Bradford City game was it it was like a Paolo special on Netflix and yeah. it was every facet of Paolo from you know even like you know like the sort of pantomime villain oh I'm going off I'm going off and the way he just sat on the side and everyone started singing Paolo Di Canio and it sort of energized him and he's like off I go, you know, the superhero and, you know, it's just brilliant. Yeah, just it's so it's football West theatre, but like literal theatre, pantomime. <laughs> that <laughs> was pantomime, yeah. And then you had, you know, you had the, the sublime as well. And that um, that FA Cup tie, Old Chapel, I think remains my favourite game that, sure. that I've, I've been to in, in about 40 years of, of going to West Ham. It was just incredible. And again, we had no expectations, you know, we uh we had a, a friend that lived up in Manchester. So we used to go to Old Chapel at Fed. It would make a weekend of it. And and that game, if you remember, was on a Sunday. So we went up on the Saturday and we got absolutely trashed in Manchester. And so, you know, we kind of crawled out of bed the following morning, went at a big fry up, got to the ground, just thinking, Christ, we've got to drive home after this. Like, to get the game over with. You know, again, expecting us to get beat. And then yeah. it was just incredible. And, you know, there's like 9,000 West Ham fans up there that day um, singing, you know, can we play you every week at Old Trafford? It was just, it was unbelievable. It's like that, you know, for me, is what football is all about. So it was, uh... <laughs> sorry, I've got to give my wife a coffee. Hang on a moment. <laughs> sorry, don't be silly. Excuse me. Oh, don't be silly. God, it's all fun and games. So that moment in the work Zoom call when the dog comes in and crawls over the door. Well, I usually, I usually get the door. So the door will open um, and the wife will say, before she's o she'll open the door and then say, are you on a call? Rather <laughs> than knock and I go, hello. Are you on a call? Yes, I am. Clearly I'm on a call. Yeah, okay, no problems. But yeah, so, yeah but I mean, I mean, yeah, Palo was just Palo, and it's just that Man City, Man United game. There's something special about cup games, isn't it? Because you get loads of away fans. Fans just seem a bit more up for it. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what it is, but it just maybe because more away fans are going or something like that. And by all accounts, that Man's, Man United game was just epic. All the people I talked to went to that one. Oh, I remember incredible. watching it in university in, in Loughborough, and I was watching it in the, in the uni bar, and... I think I was the only West Ham fan that day. It was full of Man United fans and my mates who were Wednesday and uh, Villa and uh, Leeds. So that you know they, they supported West Ham obviously because I supported them. So yeah, we had a little pocket in in, in the middle of Loughborough. Um, I've you know, seen us lose seven one up there. I, of I, course, I went, yeah. I went to the the six nil after after obviously where Gary Green decided that he'd try and uh, impersonate the footballer for a day and you know. <laughs> Just to, to have that 
you know, you don't go to Old Trafford, or certainly at that time, we didn't go to Old Trafford and win. And, you know, to, to have that moment was superb. And uh, there, was, there was horrendous roadworks on the way back at the ground. I think it took us something like eight hours to get home. We loved every minute yeah, of it. Okay. No, it was like just a load of West Ham fans stuck in traffic, seeing it out the window. It was absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. Okie dokie. Pal is in. So who's the last? So I, mean, I, I really kind of struggle with getting the, his, his partner up front. And it was a really close call between two men that, that um, sort of played similar time. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punt for Bobby Zamora. Z-Man. Z-Man. And... I think he just had that purple run in like sort of 2005, 2006, where yeah. at the end of 2005, the playoff semi final away at Ipswich, where it was just fantastic, you know. Um, and then the final got the goal and then sort of uh, took it into the Premier League and, and destroying Sol Campbell at Highbury. Was I think you know it's, it's it's again one of those kind of weird games that that is just the magic of football distilled you know the last time we were playing at Highbury and again no one really fancied us and we just turned it on and you know to to traumatize the central defence and you know one of Sol Campbell's no not no no small beer you know. <laughs> But it's a, a very, very, very good Premier League and international defender. To traumatise him so much, he has to leave the ground at half time. I mean, you know, for that, probably the more you, you definitely get a place in my team. And he had that, um, he had that, he said he that purple patch. He had the purple, I remember the purple patch when we got promoted. I yeah. swear, for like, I've got a vivid, again, I'm crap at memories, but I, I've got a vivid recollection of the first two months or so. He was like top goal scorer in the Premier League, and I, but I don't remember him scoring a good goal. It, was just, <laughs> it came off his head or his ass or his chest, you know, well, not he, like a clean goal. But I don't care. Yeah, yeah. and and you know he he gets. He, I think history has has done him done him wrong, Bobby Zamora. Yeah. People people kind of remember him as a bit of a figure of fun, but you know he came in replacing Jermaine Defoe, who is probably one of the best. Finishers, it, well, it'd be up there, I think, with probably Cotty as, as one of the best finishers that the club has ever had. Mm. And, you know, Bobby came in a completely different type of player. And, you know, I think a lot of people judged him quite harshly in comparison. But he, again, he was one of those West Ham players who gave his all for the club, gave his all for the cause, and he scored some really important goals. Mm. And to be the to be the goal scorer, the last last away team to win at Highbury and oh, the first exactly. away team to win at the Emirates. You know, that, that's a pretty good accolade to have on your CV, isn't it? Yeah. But but it was I mean it was touch and go though with him and Marlon there, which for my, my 21st century. And I, I love Marlon. And, and again, like the FA Cup semi-final was, you know, one of those moments that, that just make all the dross worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. And uh but I'm afraid Bobby just sneaks it for the for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good man. And and, and that and that finishes the team, Dan. Nicely. There you go. You know, an, an hour and ten minutes has flown by. 
Because well, it does, it does, doesn't it? It just does these things. It's crazy. I love it. Yeah, um, so, it's been brilliant. Thank you, Dan. It's been really, 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 really lovely chatting. Love thank you. Um, Very much enjoyed it. That's brilliant. Obviously, thanks everyone for watching or listening, or if you're listening to a podcast or YouTube or whatever. Uh, whatever you do, give it a subscribe, give it a share, let everyone know about it. Um, and until next time, from me and Dan. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Come on, you wines. And we'll see you again very, very soon. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.